we have a very short scripture today uh, that takes our entire life to live out. Uh, Let's share in God's good word from the wisdom of the Proverbs chapter 14. Let's share in God's good word together. The simple believe everything, but the clever consider their steps. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. We, we come to this myth. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up, um, I, I love this myth. It's very romantic. I'm a romantic guy, right, Chantel? I'm, I'm a romantic guy. Sure. And I realize that, that you know that you realize that movies and TV and novels, they don't reflect real life. You do know that. Right. It's not real life. And I assume that you don't take your relationship cues and your family systems from TV. But it's possible that maybe some of that sort of filtered into your life and you have this underlying premise that holds these storylines and episodes together. And the assumption is, is something goes like this, that that there's a right person for you. And once you find the right person, if you just find the right person, then everything will be all right. Have you ever thought that? You see, this is what Andy Stanley calls the right person myth. He has a book called Love, Sex, and Dating. I recommend it to you, particularly if you're not yet married. It's a great book. We won't have time to cover all of it. Uh, But there are bits and pieces of wisdom in that book that I'd like to share with you. And he says that the myth is not that there's a right person out there for you somewhere. That, That may be. Um, I, I feel like Chantel and I were led to be together. We've been married 23 years. It's awesome. She likes to say that we've been married for 10 glorious years, uh, but we've been married 23 altogether. So, you know, we, we all have our bumps and times. You see, the myth is that once you find the right person, that everything will be all right. And that's at the top of your sermon notes, if you want to take those out and follow along tonight. You see, my hunch is that you're smart enough to know why that's a myth. That it's never all right all the time. That's just not the world we live in. And so as a way of introduction, the the divorce rate kind of bears this out. In a 2012 study in Psychology Today, they reported that roughly half, about 50% of first marriages, right, end in divorce. And and then when that happens, uh, something really sinister happens. Because of this myth, people think, oh, well, I must not have chosen the right person after all. They must have been the wrong person. So then you sort of demonize your ex. And some of you have been through that. And you find out 15 years later, they really weren't all that bad. You were just really screwed up. That things just, it wasn't the right time or season. But, but if you perpetuate this myth, then you have to demonize the people that come before your true love, your one true person, the right person. So then you go to your second right person. The problem with that is that the second right person, those marriages fail 67% of the time. Instead of 50, it actually goes down. And then, of course, that doesn't work out uh, 67% of the time. So then you're on your third marriage. Uh, which is worse news, uh, because that's 73% of the time. That doesn't work out. Uh, a number of years ago, I actually had a man come to me, uh, very distraught, very well-meaning. And he sat in my office, and with tears in his eyes, he begged me to know. He wanted to know if he should divorce his fifth wife. And, and I can't really say out loud what I was thinking. But it, but it came out to something like this. Why? You're the only common denominator. You're the only common variable in that scenario. Why in the world do you think that divorcing your fifth wife would somehow get you down the road any better? We haven't talked since. As you might imagine. We have to have some sobriety around 
what's really going on. And it takes community to help us see this. So there's a lot of folks out there. Maybe you know this, that this last summer was the first time in our country that the single rate was actually higher than the married rate in our country. Fifty one percent of the people in our country last year were single. They weren't in a family relationship. This is new. We've never known how to do this before. And so there's a lot of people that say, well, if marriage is such a bad deal, then we're just not going to get married. Well, the problem with that is that unwed parents are six times more likely than married parents to split up by the time their child is five years old. Six times. Marriage is important and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's ordained by God and it's a wonderful thing, but it takes work. Attraction, your pulse beating really fast, watching Super Bowl commercials with really hot people in them. That just takes a pulse. A marriage that'll last takes more than that. A lot more than that. It takes work. It takes community. It takes commitment. So this week, we're going to try to blow up that myth and help you look at that. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about sex. Um, We do this once a year around Valentine's Day. It's for adults only. Um, It may be appropriate for 12 and up. Uh, It won't be graphic by any stretch at church. Um, But we'll talk about the importance of our sexuality and being like God and recreating uh, the world. That's a part of, of what we're to do is to, to create little people and to, you know, um, fulfill the world. It's a wonderful thing. And then week three, we're going to talk about what is it to become the right person? How do we do that? So I hope you'll join us all three weeks. It's going to be a good time. So why spend time each year, two or three weeks on a relationship series? Why do we do this? Uh, well, partly because I'm, I find it very, very disturbing uh, the people that I care about a lot, sometimes it's people in the church, sometimes it's my own family, um, and sometimes it's friends. Um, their lives are just a wreck because no one ever talks to them about this stuff. It's either taboo or it's kind of hush-hush or there's a lot of shame and guilt around it. And so I think it's really important that, that we talk. Now, it happens like this. Uh, somebody's on Facebook and they notice that a girl uh, or uh, a boy um, that they were romantically involved in in high school uh, has either moved to town, uh, gotten close, uh, friended them on Facebook, uh, or has gotten a divorce. And then they just lose their mind. And I can't really explain it. But people are more than happy to blow up their relationship with their children, their grandchildren, their spouse, their parents, their friends, their church, and everyone else on the hope that if they can get, just get out of the misery they're in, that there is this some right person out there that's going to make everything perfect for them. And, and it's just horrible. Um, Horrible enough to where I'm getting the phone calls that those people should be getting because of all the damage um, that's in the wake of their decisions. Um, and they don't understand, like, well, why is everybody so upset? Well, because well, you're making some really, really bad decisions. So Proverbs in chapter 14 says this. It says the simple believe everything. Now, if you were to translate that in other Hebrew scriptures, you would find that simple is translated naive. And naivete is not a horrible thing. It just means that you don't have the life experience yet to know what's coming. You just can't see it. It's not that you're dumb. It's not that you're stupid. It's just that you're just not there yet in life. Um, It's translated naive. Now, when you get to the word clever um, in the Hebrew scriptures, they often um, translate that prudent or wise. And when you get to the word steps at the very end, uh, it's really talking about patterns. And so what you find is if you're sort of in in my chair in ministry for roughly 20 years, uh, you see these patterns that emerge in people's lives one after another after another. And and people are like, well, I, you know, I just never saw this coming. 
And, and it's really kind of interesting because most of the people that they talk to are like, well, we did. You know, you haven't spent any time with your wife in years. You're always golfing or hunting or at work or traveling. And uh, when's the last time you took a family vacation? Well, you know, my son hates me. Yeah, we all know that. Um, it's very clear. Uh, do you follow his blog? It's called I Hate Dad. I mean, you know, you know I mean, it's, it's not hard when you're in community to, to see this. Okay. And see, every man, every woman on the planet, we have to navigate this pain and the complexity uh, of life and on our marriage and our vows. Every single one of us. And eventually, um, sometimes we find that Mr. or Miss Right, we thought, uh, is Mr. and Mrs. Wrong. And it doesn't work out very well for us. And, and the thing is, we do want to think that there's a right person out there. I mean, nobody's looking for the wrong person. Um, so, uh, you know, in the Bible, you know what they did? Had arranged marriages. Anybody signing up for that? Probably not. And so we have to look at, at what does God want us to know about relationships and and relationships that honor God and honor one another. So what what do I know about singleness? Oh, I've been single. What I know about married. Uh, we've been married 23 years. And what do I know about divorce? Uh, well, just candidly, uh, you might want to know that in my extended family, my family's not very big. Uh, we've been through five divorces. Uh, two in the last year. And so I'm very aware of what it is to be a part of a divorced family. I know what it is to go through the nuts of uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving at multiple households because people aren't talking uh, or you can't get them together at the same time. I mean, I, I know what that is. I'm not I'm not talking down to anybody. I'm not trying to get on you. I don't know your histories necessarily. Uh, I want you to know that this sermon series is for you. I'm not trying to take anything from you. I'm certainly not talking down to you. This is something that I'm living myself. And that's why I know it's so important. I'm not preaching to you so much as I'm concerned. I'm really concerned about the state of uh, our life. So um, I, th- here's a little bit about me. For those of you who are new to the church, uh, I'll show you a couple photos. Uh, man, that's a nice photo. I'm 23. Chantel's 22 there. That's the night before we got married. And um, I, there's more me to love these days. And it's nice. That's how I like to think of it. Uh, if you can go to the next next one, that was that was 23 years ago. So this is us today. We changed a little bit. We have two boys, one in college, one in high school. That's a very different time after 20 Three years. Chantel, my wife, and I. Um, the, you'll, what you don't know there is uh, some people think we're dancing. Um, the photographer said, hey, you know, act like I'm having fun. So I gave her a smooch. She wasn't expecting it. So she was like, hey. So uh, it's good. We have a good life. We have a really good life. Uh, part of this good life comes from a really good family that, that we come out of. Uh, my folks have been married for 50 years. So I know what a lot, I know what committed marriage looks like. Uh, I was able to watch my mom and dad. This is from the day they were married. Uh, mom. And, and on this side is my granny Dot. She's passed. And on the right, granny Ann. She's passed. Uh, before my mom was married, her dad died. I never knew my grandfather on that side. Um, and there was sort of this thing. Of, granny Dot was school teacher. Uh, and she lived a wonderful life. Um, but it was, uh, she decided never to marry again. Uh, that's just, that was the way it was going to be. Now, Granny Ann, on the other hand, was married to Papa Howard. I love Papa. Papa was a drummer. Uh, I think we have photos of them. Uh, yep, there's Papa, there's Granny Ann. And they were just great. It, Papa was just a lot of fun. Uh, and he died uh, when I was uh, about seventh grade. And uh, just loved him, miss him still. Uh, my Granny Ann, uh, when I was in college, I met a man named Wayne. Wayne was a great guy. And they married. I was at my grandmother's wedding, which was different. Um, my sophomore year of college and she fell in love. Grant, Granny Ann died. Um, 
a few years ago now. Uh, and her husband, Wayne, had outlived his first wife uh, and then my grandmother and then a third wife. He was married three times. She's married twice. And having seen this in my own family, I, I started wondering this idea about there's just one right person. Well, my gosh, if your spouse dies, I sure hope not. I hope that the Lord would not send you for years and years and years of unmitigated pain and suffering. No, the Lord loves you, wants good for you. So we need to get past this myth for all sorts of reasons. Uh, not only that it can blow up the marriage that you're in, but certainly if something were to happen to your spouse, you need to know that the Lord has good for you. Still. Still. So I, I know quite a bit about that. I also know that the world has changed quite a bit um, these days. Um, there, some, something interesting has happened. You know, there's this thing called the Internet. People all over the world um, can show up on your screen. Now, it used to be in the day that Australia, you may know this historians, was a penal colony. They would send all the criminals there. And, and you never had to see them. They were on another island. But today, you know what happens? Well, it shows up on my wife's Instagram page. This. Hugh Jackman. She loves Hugh Jackman. He's from Australia. Now, if we lived 100 years ago, I'd never have to see Hugh. But as it is, my wife follows Hugh on Instagram. She found out that Hugh signs every autograph after every play that he is in New York City. So when we went to New York in December, guess what? There's Hugh Jackman. She's like, hey, Hugh, sign my playbill. Guess what? He does. That close. <laughs> to someone who could be from the criminals of Australia. It's horrible. Horrible. And, and, and the thing is, friends... If Hugh Jackman fell in love with my wife, he'd be a lucky man. He'd be lucky to have her. So I like I love to tease Chantel about Hugh Jackman. Join me, please. Have, have you do that. I had her permission to do that. So what, what do I want you to know, friends? Uh, namely this. These ten things very quickly. Number one, everybody struggles. Everybody. You're not alone. Everybody struggles. They face temptations and they have regrets. Everyone on the planet. Everyone. Uh, and, and so when I do premarital counseling, one of the first things I do is I ask those who are about to get married to do what's known as a genogram, where you do your family tree and you put down every single thing that's happened. All the pain, all the divorces, all the abortions, all the hurt, all the trauma. You put it down because the thing is, you can't be loved until you're known. And you can only be loved to the extent that you're known. And so if you're going to become one in family and flesh and life, you better know what you're getting. And so that's a very important thing for people to just say, this is the reality about me. This is the truth about me. You still want to get married? It's a very important process. Number two, while it's true that you are exceptional and you are, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. You are exceptional. You're not an exception. You're just not. And you need to know that. I can't tell you how many time and time and time and time again I have these young couples be like, oh, I know we don't have any savings. Oh, I know we've got a lot of student debt. Oh, I know we don't have any jobs. Oh, no, no, no. And I know we're, you know, we're having triplets, but it's all going to be good, Pastor. I'm like, no, it's not going to be good. <laughs> and trust me on this one, it's not. You know, you're going to need a lot of help. Well, you know, we love each other. I'm sure you do. You haven't tried to change three diapers at a time. Right? I mean, it's, it's, you're not the exception. And, and if you if you find yourself saying that or your your fiance is saying that, just know that you might want to talk to somebody else. Number three, what you are doing right now, one day will be a part of your past. It will. Whatever you're doing right now. So if you're doing healthy things, then in your future, you will have a past of healthy things that help you. Um, you'll you know, if you're investing now, you'll you'll have some dividends. 
At the same time, one of the things that just really uh, I don't understand is that I find people who are going through a divorce that have this fantasy that if they can just get out of their marriage, everything will be fine. And I think, well, this is what I'm thinking. Well, what are you going to do when your kids get married? Because I do those weddings. And I have the couples come to me and they say, well, my mom and dad can't really be in the same room. I'm like, well, I'm not doing two weddings. So, I mean, are we doing one for your mom and one for your dad? Or they're going to sit in rows? I mean, how do you do that? How do you do graduation? How do you do birthdays? How do you do funerals? How do you do life together? It's hard. It's particularly if you have kids, you don't just get to have a free pass. I mean, all that still goes on. And the decisions you make today have this pesky way of showing up at the most inopportune times in your life. I mean, it's just it's just going to be the case. Number four, this is really important. You cannot fix other people. You can't. Now, God can. But you can't. We can't. I can't. We can't fix other people. And, and I know a lot of us thinking ourselves as Christians that, you know, we've never seen a problem we didn't want to fix. And, and that's a problem. It, it's not good for us, of course. It's not good for the person we're trying to help. Now, my dad loves this joke. My dad's a horrible t- joke teller. Uh, but he loves this joke. He's 80. And he says, hey, this boy comes up to his Boy Scout troop and they, and they were going through all the good things they did through the week. And they said, well, Johnny, you know what you do? He goes, I helped an old lady across the street. And, and they go, well, that's no big deal. He goes, yeah, well, she didn't want to go. <laughs> right. And that's how it is when you try to fix people. Most people you're trying to fix don't want to be fixed. And then it's on. And you wonder why you're not getting along. Because you're trying to do something that's not yours to do anyway. Number five, no one on this earth can make you happy. You know that? No one on this earth can make you happy. Now, you can find your fulfilled You can be fulfilled in God. You can be fulfilled through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can be fulfilled through God's community of faith together. But no one person on this planet is ever going to make you happy. And you're not going to make that person happy either. So this is something we need to understand. If you are miserable as a single person, you and your future spouse will be miserable and married. And that's super important because a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm miserable. But when I find that right person. You know, that's the sort of the someday my prince will come thinking just doesn't work. So if you're miserable now as a single person, you're going to you're going to share that misery with others when you're married. And, and the thing is, almost every good chick flick hinges on this idea of codependency. It just does. Anybody see Jerry Maguire? Y'all tell me how this works out. Now, that's the best line. This is the best talking group I've ever been to. Oh, he's so dreamy. That's so awesome. It's also a lie. It is a bold faced lie. That's how my mom would put it. It is a lie. You complete me is a dangerous, dangerous lie. And when you hear Andy Stanley puts it this way, he says, when you hear or you hear yourself saying any of the following lines, you owe it to yourself to press pause. If you hear the line, I can't live without you, whoa, flag, I can't make it without you, red flag. I'm not sure I want to live without you. Warning. I'll never overcome this without you. Warning, warning, warning. With your help, I can become a better person. How about you be a better person? Then we'll think about going out. Right. 
Now, granted, there's some differences between married and, and not yet married. But even so. Have you heard this? Somebody throw this at you. Oh, before you came along, I was lost. I need you. Every hour I need you. I'm incomplete without you. Now, if you're talking to Jesus, great. If you're talking to anybody else on the planet, you've got a problem. You've got a serious, serious codependent problem that will take you and the other person down ultimately. Now, on the movies, it's great. This whole thing of I'm weak, you're strong. I need you to be strong for both of us. It's a problem. See, none of it changes the fact that you can't fix other people. Now, you can prop them up and make them look pretty until you're worn out. And then they fall down and you're already down. And so we just have to understand that God isn't asking us to fix others. That's something that only they can choose. We can't do that. Number eight, the longing for intimacy is only fulfilled by God. So all of those phrases, you complete me, are great if you're in prayer. It's great if you're talking to Jesus. Because Jesus died for you, loves you, has given everything for you. That's great. But if that's not a conversation with someone who is the Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, you're just in for pain. A lot of it. And disappointment. Some of the worst times in my life are when I was worn out and I really looked to Chantel to fix me, to help me. And boy, you better just get out of the way if she doesn't do it. You know, because now the world's over because my wife couldn't fix me. Well, it's not her job to fix me. It's my job to fall before Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, and who heals all that come to him. To raise them to himself. But we've got to let that go. If we want to have a, a fun and peaceful and joyful life. Number nine, friends. We are made for more than this earth. And a good relationship is not the end all. Not, not by a long shot. You see, in Jesus' day, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they couldn't even agree on what heaven was like. And so they would ask Jesus this all the time. And so in Matthew, uh, it says this. Teacher, meaning they're talking to Jesus. Moses said, if a man dies childless, his brother shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married, he died childless, leaving the widow to his brother. The second did the same, so also then the third, down to the seventh. Right? This lady was bad luck. Now, last of all, the woman herself died. Okay? You get this? She marries. Husband dies, marries. Husband, okay? So in the resurrection, right, in heaven, then... Whose wife of the seven will she be? For all of them had married her. I'd also remind you that in Jesus' day, polygamy uh, happened 6,000 years before him and a good thousand years after him. So people had lots of wives. So Jesus answered them. You're wrong. Because you know neither the scriptures nor what? Say it with me. The power of God. See, their eyes were on the earth and the earthly relationships. Jesus says, look, you guys are, your box is way too small. He says, no, 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 you don't know the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. But are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is God, not of the dead, but of what? The living. Jesus is saying, look, you all are, you don't know the power of God. And your, your focus is on the earth and on death and on hardship. Heaven is so great and other and wonderful that the marriage relationship 
will, will not be of import. We'll have new bodies. It'll be great. And we'll be in right relationship with our spouse. Because it's perfect peace, perfect love, perfect forgiveness. All there. It's way more than this earth. And, and this, this came from a very interesting uh, thing called the Leverate Marriage. And Leverate Marriage is found in Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. That it, which said that when a brothers reside together and one of them dies and, and he doesn't have a son, then the wife of the deceased shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Right. If you're tribal, it was really important that you not go outside the tribe of Israel, that you stay there. And so you marry the brother. And so her husband's brother shall go into her and take her in marriage, perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And the firstborn whom she bears shall succeed to the name of the deceased brother so that he has an offspring that he's honored. OK, so it won't be blotted out. So we go to the next slide. But if the man has no desire to marry his brother's widow, he goes to the elders and he says, no, I don't want to. My husband's brother refuses to perpetuate his brother's name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of the husband's brother to me. Then the elders of the town are going to bring him in and talk to him. And then look what happens. If he persists, saying, I have no desire to marry her, then his brother's wife shall go up to him in the presence of the elders. And, the, and she's going to pull a sandal off his foot. And then she's going to spit in his face. And she's going to declare, this is what is done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. I take his shoes and I spit on him. And throughout all of Israel, his family shall be known as the house of him whose sandal was pulled off. <laughs> so there. So when you see a guy with one shoe on the hot desert... You know, he didn't do right by his brother. And so they bring up this random, random marriage deal from Deuteronomy to Jesus and says, well, what about that? Because they're trying to trick him about heaven. And he goes, you people. It's not about this earthly stuff. It's so much better, so much greater. God loves you, wants good for you. And heaven is beyond what we can think or imagine when it breaks into this earth. And for all eternity. So these are things I wanted you to know. So what I want you to do. And I hope you'll choose wisely. And, and, and don't do this for me. I just want to invite you to consider this. If you are married, I want to invite you to invest in your marriage. Put your money where your mouth is. Put your time where your mouth is. Put your money and your time and your efforts in your marriage. It's the best thing you can do for your family. You want to have healthier kids? Have a healthier marriage. The things that make kids most calm is then they know mom and dad are doing well. Super important. So Matthew 6, Jesus lays out in the beautiful Sermon on the Mount. He says, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures on heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. Say it with me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? It's axiomatic. It just is the way it is. And then he says, he goes on, Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Think about your spouse. Think about God. Think of the things that are beautiful in the world. Think about sunset, sunrise, birds, all the beautiful things of the world. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? You see, our, our eyes determine largely what goes into our minds. And our minds become our decisions, and our decisions become our actions, and our actions become our habits, and our habits become our character, and our character lasts forever. It's very important what we see. And what we do with our eyes. Guard your eyes, friends. Men and women. Do not look upon the Hugh Jackmans of the world. Right? I'm just teasing. No, you, you get it. If you're single, friends. And you're looking. 
I implore you, listen to your community. Listen to your friends. Listen to your grandma. Listen to your parents. I have never, ever, in more than 20 years of ministry and and nearly 50 years of life, known someone who all their friends hated them and and all the parents said, that's never going to last, and then watched it go beautifully. Right? The community's helping you see things that you can't see. And if you're the only person that digs the other person, there's a reason. And you need to know that. There's no reason for you to go through a lifetime of pain because you're trying to prove something to your dad. Or your mom. Or your cousin Lou. And, and I'm not saying this, saying you can't. I'm saying if you're wise, if you don't want to go through the pain, listen up. Listen to your community. Listen to people who love you, who really love you and have known you for a long time. If you're divorced, friends, again, this is not to beat you up at all. I really want you to invest in the healing and the forgiving and the growing process. Counselors will tell you, top to bottom, that it takes at least three years from the time your divorce is final before you can really be ready to date again. Because otherwise, you're going to be going, oftentimes, through something, pain, grief, anger, frustration, confusion, children issues, with somebody else who that's not their stuff. It's very difficult. And I'm not saying if you've done that, hey, no judgment on me. I've never been divorced. I don't know what I would do. But I can tell you that all the people who study this say, look, for your own good, spend some time just grieving and getting your legs back under you, asking God what's the next step. And then when you're ready, have a wonderful, beautiful next marriage. Number four. If you're not currently married, I want to invite you to prepare before you promise. Prepare before you promise. That you would be both capable and accountable. It's, it's really troubling to me as a pastor to watch people jump up here and say, I do and I do. When I know full well, they have prepared in no way to be able to say that. Now, they're accountable, but they're not capable. Do any of you all know that I have four years of eligibility at Oklahoma State University for any sport? I do. Full, full four years. You know why? Because I'm horrible at sports. But I promise. Did you see me going to Coach Gundy? Gundy, I promise I'm going to make a great wide receiver. I'm going to score in the Bedlam game. What do you think is going to happen? He's going to laugh me out of his office. Who let this guy in? Get this joker out of here. But you know what? When it comes to the most important relationship in your life, I see people do that all the time. They haven't done anything financially to prepare. They haven't done anything relationally to prepare. They haven't done anything emotionally to prepare. And they stand before God and everybody else says, oh, yeah, I promise I'm going to be a great husband with no preparation. Or I'm going to be a great wife with no preparation. It's the only arena in the world that I see this happen. It's ridiculous. And then it blows up on people because there's there's commitment, but commitment's way overrated because there's no preparation. Does this make sense? Can you imagine going to college football or athletic director and saying, put me in, coach, I'm ready. I promise. Like, Why don't you come back when you bat, you know, a certain deal or you make so many free throws or, you know, you can run a, a 450 or something. Well, probably not. So prepare, friends, for your promise. Because to be accountable without being capable makes you miserable. So. Next, I hope that you will understand with me that Jesus is the answer. He is the way and the truth and the life. And all these things that we've been talking about that your spouse can't do for you, 
He can. Why don't you invite him into your life? And so uh, I wrote this prayer for us to pray. If you want to pray it along with me, uh, this is my prayer. I invite you to pray it with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me perfectly. Help me look to you to complete me, to make me whole. Help me to love others and not to use or manipulate them to fulfill my needs or desires. Help me love like you love, fully, sacrificially, bravely. Give me strength for faithfulness like you showed in the garden on the last night of your life. Help me die to myself so I can truly love you. Thank you for dying for me. Let me live now for you. Amen.